All right, John chapter 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 24 and 25. I don't think I've ever actually preached on, on these scriptures, but let's look at this in John 5, 24 and 25. Jesus says, verily, verily. Every time He repeats that, it says that He's trying to really give emphasis to give heed to it. Truly, truly is what He's saying. I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. And I think we really read that last statement. That's an amazing thing that he's saying. He's saying that the hour's coming and now is when the dead are going to hear the voice of the Son of God, or Jesus is saying they're going to hear my voice, dead people, and he says they're going to live. And I would say, what a, what a statement, what a Savior, what power he has. All who hear his voice shall live. Jesus Christ brings life, he brings life to the dead. He brings life to the dead physically, he brings uh, spiritual life through the preaching of His Gospel like we talked about in Sunday school this morning. And there's no, He has no compare. He has no rival. He has no competition. He has no one that's else that's doing this. And He's just a little bit better than they are. Uh, it's an amazing thing when you really pick up the Gospel and consider our Lord. You know, we study in, in Hebrews uh, 12, consider Him. When we really consider the Lord and think about that, that would just be... Uh, Madness! If a man made that statement, you say he, he's fit to be taught, you know, put in an insane asylum, or that would be just some boasting and bragging, or he's he's touched an ad, or he's an actor, he's putting on a show, something. But for him to say the hour's coming and now is when the dead are going to hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and they're going to live. I mean, that's just an amazing thing. I want to read this scripture, and you don't have to turn there, but in, in, in Gospel of Mark. When Jesus had been used, uh, the Lord Jesus had healed the woman with the issue of blood. She had touched the hem of his garment. And as that, as that, when that took place, he was on his way to go to Jairus' house. Jairus was one of the Jewish leaders. His daughter was at home sick. By the time Jesus got there, she was dead. And it says he, took, he put everybody out. He took Peter and John with him, I believe. And he went in and closed the door because there was a bunch of unbelief and a bunch of mockers just saying he's dead. she's dead. You know, what's, what do you think you're doing? And he says, just excuse me a minute. He put him out, out. And he went on in there. He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. For she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. Guess what they should be? We should be. We should be astonished with our Lord every day. He raises people from the dead. He raises people physically from the dead. And He raises people spiritually dead in their sins and trespasses from, from the dead every day. This Gospel brings life to men in the name of Jesus and the power and the authority of the only Son of God. We need to remember this. And we need to continue to hold to this truth. We need to be excited. I'm not talking about just an emotionally stirred up. We need to elevate Jesus. We need to lift Him up and understand that in the midst of death, and we're living in a world that's a fallen world, right? Since Adam and Eve fell into sin, they brought corruption. They set in motion uh, 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 
determined end where, where there's death and corruption and disease and you know these things that are decaying. And even the earth, the Bible says in Psalms, the Lord says it's going to wax old like a garment. You're going to change it like a man would change his clothes. But you endure forever, Lord. And Your Word endures forever. And those that know Christ endure forever. And we need to remember this. That in the midst of death, and the results of death, and, and hospitals, you know, and, and uh, dead-end jobs, and, and relationships you think are over, and this could never be restored again because of what took place in this relationship. You think it's dead, and you think it's over. Or dreams that you had, and you think it's beyond now. It's no way it can be resurrected. It's not going to come to pass. If God spoke it, it's going to come to pass. We need to remember that He is the, the God of life, and resurrection and they that hear his voice he said the hour is now and is coming when the dead are going to hear the voice of the son of god and they're going to live amen we need to continue in that truth and we need to proclaim that boldly and proclaim jesus christ without shame that he is this god and he is the savior to the uttermost and he's the one that brings life amen the thief came to steal kill and destroy but for to steal kill and destroy that means that's the only reason he came that's the only reason the devil's here. He's not your friend, okay? Uh, though he can appeal to things that, that are appealing to us. He's not our friend. He came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Just listen to this. If you're taking notes, 2 Timothy 1.10. Speaking about Jesus Christ, who was foretold, but he says, now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, who else could you say that about? Abolished death. He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's how he's done it. He's brought light and immort light and immortality. I'm sorry, life and immortality to light through the gospel. He's presented that. He's he's revealed it through his own life and death and burial and resurrection. Uh, it says in Ephesians 5.14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. It is, everything is about Jesus. Everything is about His, His, His. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, the Bible says. He came in His own, His own received Him not. But it says, He created all things, and in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so He's come into this dark world of death, He's come to bring light. But that's an amazing statement that all who hear His voice are going to live. I would say this, if all, all who hear some man's voice, that would never apply. There are great inspiring speakers. You know, if you're a sports fan, you've heard about, you know, like Newt Rockney or some old football coach or Vince Lombardi, you know, and we still might, some coaches might still read some of his, co his speeches and things like that. Or some great orator like Churchill during the dark hour of England in World War II. And we know some speeches that the people have made. And they're very inspiring to people. But nobody is going to bring life like the Lord brings life. That, that wouldn't apply to anybody. Hearing a man's voice is not going to bring life. But Jesus spoke and He raises the dead. He said to the little girl, I say unto you, arise. And he took her by the hand and raised her up. At the grave or the tomb of Lazarus, he'd been dead for four days. Not only sick, but died. Not only dead, but in the grave. Not only in the grave, but in the grave four days and his body's decaying. Anybody would say that's beyond hope. 
That's beyond hope. Even, even we might think if he was sick, he could have healed him. There's hope for a sick person to recover, right? But he, there's beyond hope. But Jesus told Mary and Martha, just believe and just do what I tell you to do. Didn't I say unto you, if you only believe, you see the glory of God? He wants us to believe He is who He says He is. He wants us to believe He is who He says He is in this hour. And it's not just Bible stories. These are real accounts of real people. They were just like you and me. Lazarus was no different than us. His sisters were no different than us. The mourners that were at the grave were no different than us. They were people with worries and fears and hopes and all that type of thing. They missed their brother. He was dead. Lord, if you'd have been here, and you can fill in the rest of it, if you'd have been here. But even now, Okay, even now. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Wow, because he raised him from the dead. Now Lazarus would die again at another time. He's not still living today on the earth. He's living with the Lord in heaven. But the point is that this is the God of the Bible. He's not a superhero. He's Almighty God. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And this is the God that we serve. And being God, He has all power. He has power. He is life. And He is the giver of life. The Bible says in the very beginning, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. The face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Guess what? He begins to speak. And He brings order. And He brings light. And He brings life. Where there's darkness and confusion and death and nothing at all. And He speaks it. And He brings... Oh, he's, all of a sudden there's an order coming to creation. How did that happen? Because God, who is life, spoke it. He said, it's going to be this way. Let there be light. And there was light. Wow. And let, and let the earth bring forth the green herbs and the fruit bearing trees bearing fruit after their kind. And there was. And let the, the sea bring forth the living creatures and the fowls of the air that fly above the heaven. And there was. And God spoke it. And He brought life and light. And He is that life giver. And if you're still in John, look back. We're going to back up to verse 21. Look at what Jesus said. For as the Father... John 5.21 For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom He will. That again, it's an amazing statement. So he can give physical resurrection and spiritual resurrection. It's His to give. And Jesus said in the Great Commission when He's risen from the dead and 40 days on the earth before He ascended, He's with His disciples in that Great Commission. He says, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. But He says, all power is given unto Me in heaven and in earth. Anybody in here ever remember when you're growing up watching the Super Friends cartoons? It's probably before. I see a lot of blank stares. Uh, the Super Friends. That was like, you know, Superman and... Batman and they all and all of them uh, flash and they all combine their forces, you know, and they're really impressive because one could do this and one could do that. Getting them all together, they could really make this team. They fight the Legion of Doom, uh, but Jesus, all by Himself, He says, "All power." It's just a simple statement, but it's an amazing thing. All power is given unto Me in heaven and in earth. It's all mine. 
It's mine to give. It's mine to wield. I thank God that He's a kind God and a just God and a holy God. He loves us. Amen. And um, y'all can turn with me. Let's look at this quickly in Mark chapter 2. Our focus is going to be this, this passage that we're reading in John 5. And we're going to go back there. But Mark chapter 2. This account is in other Gospels as well. But in verse 5, Jesus uh, is preaching and there's a great multitude of people. And He's in a house. And a matter of fact, I'm not sure, but I think He was might have been in Lazarus' house at this time. But even if not, He's preaching and there's people pressing at the door wanting something from the Lord. They want to be healed. And there's multitudes and He's in there. And there's the lame man who four people are carrying him and they can't get to Jesus because of the crowd. We know the story. And so they literally break off the roof. It was like a tile roof. And they broke off the roof. Uh, to, and they began to... It must have been an amazing scene. You look up at the roof and they're tearing the roof off and they're lowering a lame guy down with four ropes you know, into the, right in front of Jesus. And it says in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Well, he wasn't coming. At least he didn't know. Nor did his friends bring him or his brothers bring him for his sins to be forgiven. They heard Jesus was a healer, which he was. And he's, the first thing he says to them, to the man is, your sins be forgiven when he saw their faith. And the, the Pharisees and those that were around, they didn't even say it with their mouths, but they began to say in their heart, this man's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? But Jesus perceives their thoughts. Why? Because He can do that. He can perceive our thoughts, by the way. Uh, and, he, and He says, what's easier? In verse 9, whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and take up thy bed and, and walk? But that ye may know, God wants us to know this, y'all, that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he rose up, arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed. There it is again, they're amazed. Just like when Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. And they glorified God, saying, We never saw it, on this fashion. We never saw anything like this before. I bet they didn't ever see anything like that before. And you're not going to see anything like that. It has to do with Jesus Christ. And this is the Lord. And He's showing His power and His might. And He said, your sins are forgiven. And He healed His body. Just as easy for Him to do one as the other. It's not a strain. It's not an effort. Well, this is a little harder. You know, I have to bring in some other super friends to help me with this one. He just spoke it. And He did it. The physical resurrections, and there are many in the Scriptures, and many just in the history of, of the world that the Lord has raised from the dead. Uh, they're just more proof and evidence and assurance of who He is. Who is this life giver that not only, not only give, gives life, but can raise a dead person back to life. Uh, and he's, He gives that spiritual life to all who believe in Him. Forgiveness of sins. He gives abundant, eternal, and free life. It's all from the Lord. Even His own death, burial, and resurrection, y'all. You know what it was? It was assurance or proof that He was who He preached He was all those three and a half years before He went to the cross. They were proof. Because there would have been nothing. We even saw the disciples of all people, and we've talked about this all the time, on the resurrection morning, 
the disciples were still scratching their head before He was raised and before He appeared to them. Even though they walked with Him and saw Him walk on water and raise the dead. They watched Lazarus raised from the dead. They saw Him multiply the fish and the loaves. They professed this is the Son of God. Peter did. And yet when He died and they watched Him, He looked so helpless. He looked so weak in that moment. They watched Him bleed. They watched Him die. They watched Him stick a spear in His side. And blood and water came out. And they rolled him up and they, they prepare his body for a burial and put it in a tomb and roll a stone. And they're thinking, they don't know what to think. They don't know what to think. And the, the two that Jesus walked with, they didn't know it was Jesus. We've talked about this recently on the Emmaus Road. And the Lord says, why are you sad? What's going on? You two guys look sad. There's two of his disciples. And Jesus kind of starts walking with them on, on the road to Emmaus. And they said, we hoped, we had hoped. And you just get a real sense that the hope was over. The hope was dead. The, as much as they had believed, if anybody believed, these believed. You know what I mean? And as much, even as they had believed, at this moment, there was doubt because of His death. His death. It wasn't that He was injured. It wasn't that He was hurt. It was that He was dead. And He'd been dead for three days. And Jesus, um, you know, we know the story. But the point was that His own resurrection from the dead was just more evidence and proof that He is that God that He says He was. And that He is. Other people might even be used by the Lord to raise the dead, but nobody raises themselves from the dead. You know, they're dead. They can't do anything. Right? But Jesus says, I, I have this commandment from My Father. I have power to lay down. He told that to Pilate. You have no authority over Me. He wasn't being smart aleck. He wasn't being disrespectful. He said, Pilate, Pilate says, don't you know I have authority to release you? Talk to Me. Tell Me what's going on. Why did the Jews deliver you to Me? Uh, they look jealous. What have you done wrong? He's having a little private talk with them. I, don't you know I have power to release you? He goes, you have no authority. you got no authority over My life. He goes, I have power to lay it down and i got power to take it up again. And this, this commandment I've received of my Father. And y'all, the Bible says, it, it testifies. His, his resurrection testifies of His deity. That's why when we preach and when we share this Gospel, it, it says they went everywhere preaching the resurrection. Those early apostles. They preached repentance and they preached the resurrection. I think sometimes we don't talk about it enough, think about it enough, emphasize it enough. The resurrection from the dead. Nobody else can do that. And it testifies of His deity. And it testifies of His power over sin and death and the grave. And it testifies and gives assurance to us. Because Jesus says, because I live, you're going to live also. It matters, y'all. Because I live, you're going to live also. I am the life. No man can take my life. If I want to lay it down, I lay it down. If I want to take it up, which I do, I'll take it up again. Nobody takes it from me. When they came to rest Jesus in the garden, who do you seek? We're seeking Jesus. I'm He. Bam. They all fell down. All the Roman guards and the, and the, the guards from the uh, temple, they fell down flat on their backs. Just at His Word. They didn't have any power over Him. They fell down flat to get back up, dust themselves up. Who are you seeking? Jesus. Okay, this time He didn't fall back flat because He knew it was His time to go. The, the point is just showing His power. And I want you to turn back to John. And I want to read this whole passage. 26-29. through 29. Now this is the same context of what we've been reading. John 5, 26. 
For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave. Now he's saying this again. He said it earlier in the first scripture we read. That all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. The resurrection of life. And they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And so uh, the resurrection of the lost he's speaking of here and of the saved. The just and the unjust. These are not, by the way, this is not a study on the resurrections necessarily, but they're not at the same time. He's just making a point. There's going to come a day when the, the just are going to be raised to this judgment that are done of life and the, those that are damned are going to be raised to this judgment. All right? But he says the hour is coming. So that's future, right? In verse 28, uh, the hour is coming. And, and now is, he said back in one of the other scriptures as well. So it's here and it's coming. And he said they're going to hear the voice of the Lord and they're going to live. And I want to read a commentary. Uh, there's a man named John Walbert and I study his, uh, his books on prophecy. He's just real solid. He, he's got all the prophecies of the Bible and, and you can look up where they are and where they're fulfilled or if they're unfulfilled. And he's very conservative and he doesn't try to embellish. He just leaves it. But he says on this passage right here, I'm going to read this. The broad prophecies which are being revealed by the Savior predict, first of all, the salvation of individuals who hear the, the gospel. OK, and a result of believing they will be they will live eternally. So there's that resurrection. Every time you leave somebody to the Lord or you got saved or somebody's getting saved, there's a resurrection. Okay, there's a resurrection. Just as Jesus has life in himself from the father, so he has uh, authority to judge as the son of man. For further confirmation of Christ's ability, Jesus called attention to the fact that those in the grave referring to those who have died physically. Okay, we're talking about two different things. Somebody getting saved, they're spiritually resurrected. He's saying just as he has the power to do that. He can speak to those that are in the grave, to those that have died physically. He says, will someday hear his voice and come out of the grave with the result that they will be judged concerning their life on earth, whether good or bad, whether in Christ or outside of Christ. In asserting this fact of judgment, Christ Jesus is not teaching that all the resurrections will occur at the same time as other scriptures make clear that there will be a series of resurrections and the wicked will not be judged until all the righteous will be raised. In these predictions and assertions, the Apostle John recorded one fact after another supporting his belief that Jesus is the Son of God and the only Savior who can give eternal life. So, uh, there's going to be... We see that resurrection and judgment are closely tied together. They, They are. Resurrection and judgment are closely tied together. And I want to talk about this for just a minute. There, there are two different resurrections. And again, this was not a whole study on that. I'm looking at the whole fact that Christ has life in Himself and is able to speak that. But the power to do this, He says the hour is coming and now is, that those that are in graves, those that are dead, physically dead, are going to hear His voice and come to life. 
lost men are going to be judged at the end of the great white throne judgment. I mean, at the great white throne judgment, which is at the end of the millennium. Okay, just stick with me for just a minute. We know there's a rapture. There's a seven-year tribulation. There's a second coming of the Lord. Uh, there, then there's immediately a thousand-year reign and rule of Christ on this earth called the millennium. At the end of that millennium, there will be the great white throne judgment. It's a fearful judgment. The Bible describes it in Revelation that the, I saw him, I saw a throne and him that sat upon the throne and, and heaven and earth fled away. And, and this was like, this is like big time. This is like uh, fear and trembling. This is not, a, this is not a, a judgment of mercy and grace and the blood's pleading on people's behalf. Because at this judgment, it's only for lost people who in this life on the earth rejected Christ when they could have come to Christ. Old Testament lost people that rejected and died in unbelief. New Testament people that lived since the resurrection of Jesus that spurned or shunned or did not believe and they died in their sins. That's the only people at this judgment. And the books are open and the book of life's open and they're judged and whoever's name's not written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. It's not pleasant. It's fearful. Heaven and earth, it's a, they're fleeing away. It's a scary thing, actually. And I just want to read this. Um, you don't have to turn there, but if you're taking notes, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose faith the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. Now again, we're talking about Jesus and the power to give life. Even to resurrect a lost man. He, he can speak to that lost man and say it's time. It's time for your sentencing. It's time to come up out of the grave or they drown in the ocean. It's time to come up out of the ocean, the sea, and the, the, everything's going to give up the dead that are in them, the Bible says. Um, and it says, I saw the dead, great and small, stand before God. They're dead. They're speaking of lost people. You don't speak of saints as being the dead. They're called the saints of God. They're the redeemed of the ages. They're not spoken of as dead because we've, been, we've passed from death to life. We have the gift of, of Christ and the gift of eternal life. But he's talking about those that died out of the faith, apart from the Lord. Their name was not found written in the book of life. I saw the dead, great and small, stand before God. And the books were open. Another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not so found... Listen, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's it, y'all. There are no second chances. There's no redos. But it does say that even the dead are going to respond to his voice. He spoke into creation. Dead, there was nothingness, just nothing. And he spoke light and life. And here's all this, just the, the sea just teeming with life and whales and all this stuff, just living creatures, then, then man and then woman and then replenish the earth. He, he spoke it all. And then even the people that die say, I don't believe all that stuff and I don't want to believe that. I'm happy in my sin. I want to stay in my sin. And they continue to reject and they die apart from the Lord. 
Even that man's going to get up out of the grave one day and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. A dead man who died in their sins and is going to spend eternity in a lake of fire separated from God is going to be raised up to look him in the eyes and look him in the face and he's going to say, I never knew you. That's going to be an amazing thing. But it shows the power of God. It shows the power of God. And saved men, y'all, we're not going to be at that judgment. Not one saved person, not an Old Testament saint, not a New Testament believer. We are going to appear at the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat or the believer's judgment. We've studied this when we went through the Foundations book. We got the different judgments. Uh, I think it was in the second Foundations too. We covered that. And uh, the rapture of the church is where we're going to be taken. And then most Bible scholars believe it's right there. Like right after the rapture. What a different scene. You know, the shout of the archangel and so forth. The trumpet of God is going to sound. And, and the dead are going to be raised incorruptible. And then we that are alive and remain are going to be, uh, meet Him and raised. We're going to meet them in the air. And be met, met the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then our judgment comes. We say, what is a, judge for, what is a believer judged for for saved? We're, we're not judged for our salvation. That was all taken care of in the blood of Jesus and by faith. That's totally settled. That doesn't come up again. It's not an issue. It's not we're going to weigh some, some evidence in a balance. We're judged on our, our life as a believer. Our works, what we did, what we, we didn't do with our saved life as a child of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And our motives. What was our motive for pastoring? What was my motive for teaching Sunday school? What was my motive for going to Foxy's every Thursday? You know what I'm saying? What's the, uh, to reach the, the kids there, uh, what's the motive? Uh, so we're judged on those things. But the Bible says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven, this is the rapture, with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ, that's a different dead, in Christ, shall rise first. That's just people, y'all. We know that the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for a believer. So let's say I, I drop dead right here. The body goes bam. The spirit and the soul go up instantly to be with the Lord. There's not this separation from God. There's not this purgatory. There's this, not this lag time or this in-between time. Instantly. Okay? And so, but, but that body's going to be raised one day. It won't be the same body. That body will be changed. Our vile body, it says, is going to be changed to a glorious body like unto His body in Philippians 3, it says, and in 1 Corinthians 15. And so we'll be like Him even, even with our physical bodies. It's going to be a, a wonderful thing, okay? But all of it, the, the point of all of this, y'all, whether it's the, those that died outside of Christ or outside of the faith or those that died in Christ, it, all of the quickening and all of the raising and resurrection is all the Lord's doing. I guess that's my point in all of this, that it's by His Word. He speaks it and it's done. The sea is given up the dead. What a picture. I wonder what that even looks like. Now a person dies, just like I said, a believer instantly goes to heaven. Their spirit, their soul, uh, their body goes in a grave or wherever it is. But a lost man dies, his body goes in the grave or wherever he is as well. His spirit and his soul go to hell. And he'll be there until that judgment at the great white throne 
where his official sentencing is given, sentencing he's given, and he's sent to the lake of fire forever. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth and torment forever. And so, but I just try to imagine the sea giving up the dead, you know, and it's like it's giving it up because why? Because God called. It's time. It's time for this judgment. And it's just an amazing thing. We just don't think about, or I don't think about these things that often and the bigness of our God and the power of our God. Um, when we read about the two witnesses in, in Revelation, halfway through the tribulation period, you know that that's an amazing thing as well. There, there are two men that stand before the Lord day and night and they're there now. They're in heaven in the Lord's presence. A lot of people think it's Elijah and uh, Enoch because they never died physically. Okay, there were two people we know of that were just taken from the earth. And, and they're going to come back and they're going to preach this gospel during the tribulation period. And every time that somebody tries to kill them because they hate them, because they're preaching the truth, and there's not a church here or anything like that, it's just wicked people that are rejecting the Lord, they want to kill them. And Antichrist is reigning and ruling. Every time they try to kill these two witnesses, fire comes from their mouth and kills them. But then the Lord says it's time and He lets them be overcome and they're killed. It was their time, just like it was Jesus' time. He didn't die before it was time. He died on the cross when He was ready. And these two witnesses, it's not because they're weak or powerless. They've already shown their power. But when it was time, God let them die. And they died by the, at the hand of their enemies. And they lay in the streets. I just want to read this. Revelation 11 and, 11 and 12, if you're taking notes. And after three days and a half... The spirit of life, this is what we're talking about. The spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up here. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. That's a little mini rapture. Okay? A rapture just means a catching away or a snatching away. That's what that was. So, who, what, what did it all? What People can kill, right? But he says, come up here. They stood up on their, first of all, the spirit of life from Christ, from God, entered into them after three and a half days, and they stood up on their feet. And everybody's watching them. And then he says, come up here. And they responded, and they went up. That's a rapture. Come up here. And he caught them away. And the enemies beheld as that took place. This is the God that we serve, y'all. This is the God of the Scriptures. And the Lord wants us to know that. Every, when He says that the, the, the day's coming now is when, uh, when the dead are going to hear His voice and, and live. Every one of us that's here today, if you're saved, that's taken place in your life. You heard the voice of the Lord through the Gospel. And you're living today. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 2.1, You hath he quickened who were dead in sins and trespasses. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. And the Lord has quickened us and given us His resurrection life. We literally passed from death unto life spiritually. And the key to all of this, y'all, is those who hear His voice. Isn't that what the Lord said in John? All who hear My voice. He doesn't say all that... that uh, you know, that all, all that He speaks to. He says all that hear His voice. And there's a difference. 
All that hear his voice as opposed to all that he speaks to. And so um, we're blessed. We're part of this first resurrection and we've heard the voice of the Lord. This is a hearing of faith, y'all, by the way. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father who hath ears to hear. Let him hear. And he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand Jesus. And so when we hear the voice of the Lord, y'all, we have to believe we have to uh, receive and respond. It's not just who hears it's who hears with understanding. If you look up that 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 definition of that word where he says that all who hear his voice are going to live. It doesn't say uh, like you just hear some strange sound. It means to hear and understand. That's literally what the definition means. And so the Lord is able to raise the dead, but he does it as we hear and understand his words of life, his gospel, his words of life that he gives. And and we follow after the Lord and we believe him. Why do you not understand my speech? Jesus said to the Jews, even because you cannot hear my word. Why couldn't they hear? They, They didn't have hearing problems. He's speaking to them and they're not getting it. You understand what I mean? They're not getting the revelation knowledge. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. He that is of God heareth God's word. Ye therefore hear them not because you're not of God. This is what Jesus said. And so there is something. This is not just hearing an audible voice. Like I heard some sound. I heard a car driving by on the interstate. This is hearing with the understanding and perceiving. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. He's not talking about this organ up here by which we hear sound. He's talking about a heart of faith that says, yes, Lord, I hear, I believe, I understand, I receive. I hear, I believe, I understand, I receive. And if we will go through our lives, even as saved people, with that attitude, too much is given. You know, it says uh, he's going to be given more to him who hath. He's going to have more. God's going to give more. If you and I will say yes to the Lord, if we'll say, Lord, I don't get it, but I want to understand. We get at these altars and pray or Lord, I, I hear you, but I know I need to hear you more. I'm, I'm understanding what you're saying, but I need to understand it more. I see what you're doing in my life, but I got a long way to go do more. And we come to God with that dependency and we want to hear from God. He's going to give us more. He'll always give us more. If we sit comfortably where we are and say, I'm all right with where I'm at. My Christianity is a real Christianity, but I'm at this level and I'm happy staying here. I'm not interested in the, the millennium. I'm not interested in the end times revival. I'm not a world, you know, I'm not interested in a worldwide revival. I'm happy right here. Okay? That's where you're going to stay. And it even says to him, it, has, it can be taken away what he has. Jesus says, take heed how you hear. Strange statement. He doesn't just say, take heed what you hear. He says, take heed how you hear. You're here this morning and I'm here and God is speaking to us through the Gospel of John and through His Word. We need to take heed how we hear. How should we hear? We should hear by faith. We should hear it humbly, sitting under it as authority. Whether we get it, whether we understand it, whether we like it or even dislike it, we ought to give it the place of authority that it deserves. This is God's Word. And I want to lay hold on it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Or I love it. Whatever. Help me to understand. He'll take us from where we are and He'll bring us where we need to be. This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. This is what the Father says of His Son. And so, I'm, just, I'm going to close with this 
this thought that, y'all, we don't keep ourselves saved. Talking to believers now, talking to the church. We're kept by the power of God through faith. But we do need, as Christians, as true believers, born again, we heard that voice once, right? You had the quickened who were dead in your sins and trespasses. And, and we've heard that voice and we're living now. We've crossed over from death to life. John 5, 24. And we have to keep ourselves not saved, but we do need to keep ourselves in a position to where we're listening to God. I've talked to some people, some of you in this room right here, some of the experiences we've had over the last couple of years of our lives. And many of you have said, well, for the past year, for the past two years, for the past three years, I was kind of zoned out. I was kind of tuned, tuned out. My Christianity was on autopilot. I don't really know what was being said. I don't know what... I can't really think about... I can't really remember anything much about it. We just kind of were zoned out. We cannot be that way. We cannot be that way. You and I, if He's feeding us through His Word, which He is, as His bread that He's given us, to, to man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, then we need to go to it with real vigor and attention and humility and zeal and importance and put other things aside. Work's not more important than it. The football game of the Saints and Vikings today is not more important than it. Putting those things aside and laying hold on the Word of God. Take heed how you hear. We, we need to keep ourselves and ask God's help in this, okay? He helps us with all of it. But we need to ask His help that we would, Lord, keep, keep me attentive. Keep me uh, humble. Keep me seated or in the right position, I guess you'd say, under your word. Like a student and the teacher's talking and, the, and, and you don't, you're daydreaming, looking out the window, looking at the clock when the, when the bell's going to ring. Right? I remember doing that in high school. It just got slower and slower. Like, is it ever going to ring? And, and let me out of here. Um, but when we sit under God's word to give him that full attention. Amen. When you open your Bible in the morning, when you get up in the morning, and children, all of y'all, when you open the word of God and, and expect God to speak to you, sit there and say, I'm not just getting it over so I can tell mom I have my devotion time. Honey, did you do your devotion? Yes, ma'am, I did it. You know, we want to do it. We want to do it as we're really believing that God's going to do something in my life today. He's going to speak to me. He's going to reveal His Son to me. He's going to help me. He's going to strengthen me. Maybe He's going to show you something about one of your friends. Hey, they're ready to receive the Lord. I want you to go talk to them about, about me. But He's going to do something in that time. We've got to keep ourselves in a position to hear the Lord. And be tuned in to the Lord. Okay? Everything else is, is vanity. I'm not, I'm not saying that it, it's uh, evil. But everything else is going to burn up when this earth burns up. But the Lord's not. His Word's not. What He does in the life of one of His redeemed children is not going to burn up. He that doeth the, the will of God abides forever. The Word of God says those things aren't wasted. And I'm going to close with this thought. You and I need to insist. Okay, You see everybody demanding their rights for everything on the planet, which some of us is just way overboard. But when it comes to this in our own lives, we need to insist upon hearing the Word of God. Those men came up to the apostles and said, Sirs, we would see Jesus. 
We want to see Jesus. You're nice, good apostle, good to meet you, disciple. We want to see Jesus. We need to insist on that. When we come to church, and we go and open, you have a family prayer time, we have an individual prayer time, when you read the Bible, I'm guilty, I'm as guilty of it as anyone. I almost like I've checked it off my list and I've done this, this, and this, and now I'll move on to this. And yet, God wants us to, we need to insist upon, uh, I need to see Jesus in this. I need to hear His voice. Because all that hear His voice are going to what? They're going to live. All that hear the voice of the Lord are going to live. We've read stories, lost men, saved men, creation, people in graves, people in tombs. All that hear His voice are going to live. I need to hear God. I need to hear Him today in my day. I need to hear Him this day, like today. Okay? And you and I need to hear Him. And we need to insist upon that. And I just want to read this Scripture from Ezekiel. The Lord speaking to His children Israel. He says, When I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, He's likening them to a, a, a baby that was born and, and not even cleaned up after they were born. They were just thrown out in the desert. Thrown out in the wilderness. Nobody cared for Him. He says, When I saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, When I saw you in your blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. And so He, he spoke again, life. We need to hear the voice of the Lord. He's telling us to live. He's telling us to go and grow and, and, and believe and, and call upon Him for big things. And you have not because you ask not. And He's saying, awake from the uh, thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. That's what He's telling us from His Word. And what He's telling us in this hour. It says that first Adam, so it was written the first Adam. That's the real one in the garden was made a living soul. The last Adam, that's Jesus, was made a quickening spirit, a life-giving spirit. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And we, we just have to insist upon that, y'all. We have to sit, insist upon it in our own lives. Hearing the Lord, knowing that I've heard from God, laying hold on it, and then walking in this light, in this life, in this power. It's not a depression it's not depressing living for God. It can be hard living for God and yet still not depressing. You know what I mean? It can be very hard and difficult. And laboring for God is, is wearisome. It's hard. And yet it's not depressing. Live for God with all your heart. Insist upon hearing the Lord. We can't be satisfied with our prayers until we've really prayed and touched touch God and heard from Him. Well, I said all my prayers. But did you hear from God? I'm speaking to myself. Okay, did you hear from the Lord? Uh, I came and I sang a bunch of songs and lifted my hands, but did I worship God? Did I touch the Lord? Because he says, if any man uh, will hear his voice, he's going to live. God wants us to walk in that resurrection power. That means I need to be hearing his voice. I don't need to hear the voice of a preacher. I don't need to read a good book about Christianity. God can speak through those things. But in the midst of it all, I need to hear the Lord. And you and I need to hear the Lord. D, you can come. And we're going to close with that, y'all. These, these altars are open. You can, you can walk around. You can go in the back if you want to. You can kneel at, the, at your chair and make it your altar and have your time with the Lord. But I keep thinking about this, that, that uh, He has life in Himself to give. And it comes, all that hear His voice are going to live. Even like I said at the beginning, if you had uh, dead dreams... Uh, your, your, your witness for the Lord is dead. And you haven't won anybody to the Lord in 10 years. You know, anything like that. God can resurrect it. If it's His will, and it is His will, 
those things I mentioned, that God, can, He gives life. And He wants us to walk in that life. It's a witness to the world. Not just that we come and slap a track on them or invite them to church, but they see in us this resurrection life of Christ. It says, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. That they need to be able to see the Lord in us. It's that life of Christ in us that every other religion doesn't have. They don't have it. They might have their clothing and their how they live and the foods they eat and don't eat and all those things. But none of that is life. We have life in us. Even the youngest believer in here has the life of Christ in us. He wants us to hear His voice and to walk in that light and in that life. So y'all pray with y'all pray this morning. Take some time before we leave. We're having prayer tonight at 6 and just come back ready for that as well. But Lord, we just give ourselves to You right now.